have you ever had to apologize for something that you said? Raise your hand if you ever had to apologize for something you said. Yeah, pretty much. I'll pray for you if you didn't raise your hand because you're probably a liar. <laughs> That's the sin. We've all been in a moment in life where we've said something that we shouldn't have said. And, and if we were honest with ourselves in that moment, maybe think about the last time, which may have been not very long ago for some of you, Bill. Uh, think about the last time you said something that you shouldn't have said. If we're honest with ourselves, we said exactly what we were thinking, right? We thought it and then it, and then it came out. And then later we're like, oh man, I shouldn't have said that. And we never go, I shouldn't have thought that. <laughs> we just go, I shouldn't have said that. Like there should be that disconnect switch, right? And there isn't. And, and even though we may have apologized for the thing that we said, chances are we believed it. Maybe still do. And so we apologize a lot of times for the things that we say, but we never apologize for the way that we think or the way that we feel. Now, there are a lot of reasons uh, that you might apologize for something that you said. Uh, let me give you a few of them. You could have said something in anger. You ever done that before? Like you're just angry, you're mad about something, you're upset, and you say something that you shouldn't have said. And in the moment, you're like, I oh, know I, sh I shouldn't have said that, but oh, I'm just so mad. And so we spout things off in, in anger that we know we shouldn't say, but we say anyway. And we just blame the fact that we're angry, right? Well, I'm just angry. I'm just having a bad day. Life isn't going very well. I just, I can't be held responsible, right? It just, it just comes out. I'm just mad. And so being angry apparently is an excuse for everything that comes out of our mouth. Uh, one of the other reasons that we apologize is um, that we just let something slip. And we didn't intend to say it, um, but it just came out. Like I knew it would be hurtful, um, but for whatever reason, we, we, just, we just say it. And you can't really blame it. Like, I'm not really mad. It's just coming out. It means just a lot of other things. But sometimes we just let stuff slip. We're thinking it. It comes out our mouth. And then we're like, oh, man, now i got to apologize for that. Um, there's also another reason that, that we apologize. And this one's a little bit different. There's kind of a couple parts to this. Um, we say things that we meant at the time, but then later we realize that instead of hurting the person that we were saying it to, it actually hurts us. Guys, you probably know this um, better than anybody else. Uh, if you're married, you, you probably know this. Um, you say something hurtful, and then you wonder why she's not in the mood. I'm the only one. Okay, so what happens then is we go, oh no, I must have said something that offended her or made her upset, and so then we go back and apologize. Not because we're really sorry, um, but because what we said is hurting us now, and I'm like, oh no, uh, let's move that out of the marriage relationship. Uh, maybe at work you told off your boss or your supervisor, they were doing something stupid, and you told them that it was stupid, but then you realize that like, you're not getting picked for that promotion, or you're not getting a raise like you thought you would, and so you go back and apologize because what you said that you meant to hurt them was actually hurting you. So we apologize for things we mean at the time, but when they hurt us, then we got to go back and apologize. That kind of, and, we, and we say things like, well, that person just can't handle my honesty, <laughs> 
that, that's, that's not really true. You know, maybe your friends don't come around anymore. But really, we apologize because those things come back on us. Regardless of whether you've ever had to apologize to someone for what you said or not, um, here really is the, the, the bottom line for today and, and the bottom line about how we speak. You are what you speak. You've heard it said you are what you eat, right? The things that we eat then show up. Um, uh, uh, a minute on the lips, a lifetime on the hips, right? Mom used to say that when I was growing up. And so we recognize that, that the things that we eat affect us in a physical way. And, and I would say the things that we speak, they kind of give away who we are. I think about it this way. Um, we, we would say things like, it's not what you say, it's what you do, right? Um, and so we talk about kids and, and raising kids, and, and, and we'll talk about it's the actions that really, like, I don't care what you say, but it's what you do that really matters. And I'll go, there's some truth to that. Like, if you say one thing and you do something else, that's completely different. It's, it's confusing to kids. They don't really get it. But the fact of the matter is that most people that you and I come in contact with on a regular basis or in our lives will by far remember the things that we say more than the things that we do. Because most of the people that we come in contact with uh, in a week or in our lifetime, the only thing they know about us is the few conversations that we've had. You meet somebody out somewhere and you get into a conversation with them or, or they just hear you as you're walking down the street. I, let, let me, uh, I probably shouldn't say this, but uh, Bill already raised the bar, so I'm going to say it. Um, I was in Walmart, uh, I don't know, it's been maybe a year or so ago. I'm in, I'm in Walmart and, and Walmart is one of those interesting places. You meet a lot of different people in Walmart. And a lot of times, um, walking through Walmart and I'll hear kids, a group of kids, uh, walking down an aisle or something, they're just talking to each other, and they're like swearing back and forth, because that's, I guess, what young people do, I guess, and so they're talking to each other about something, and they're like, you know, F this and whatever, and this bad word and that bad word, and I, do, I don't like that, you know, but I hear it, uh, okay, whatever. I was walking through Walmart about a year ago, and there was a, a, a older lady, gray hair, like very well put together. And I noticed this because what I heard, I paid attention to who it was. Older lady standing by the checkout thing um, on her cell phone. Again, dressed very well, hair perfect. Just letting them rip on the phone. And I walked by and I heard this. I was like, oh my goodness, where's that coming from? And I looked and I was like, oh, heart attack. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. The only thing I know about that woman is the words that were coming out of her mouth. And immediately I had an idea of what I thought about her. We are what we speak because most people only know about us the little bit that they hear from us. The things you say define you as a person just as much, if not more, than the things that you do. Again, just because people hear what we say way more than they see what we do. Most people. Jesus said that it's not what goes into our mouths that will defile us, but it's what comes out of our mouth that defiles us. Now, on any given Sunday here at Real Life, um, there are people who come into church who uh, have a very limited church background, right? 
Uh, we might have uh, folks here today, you may have only been to church in your life when you like went with grandma, you know, back in the 1900s. <laughs> ridiculous that we can even say that <laughs> back in the 1900s uh had to walk to school uphill both ways in the snow all year uh and you didn't have cell phones that's nobody talks about walking uphill anymore and so we didn't have a cell phone and then the kids are like oh my goodness how did you live anyway uh you may not have been to church since you were uh, a kid maybe you're here today and you've never been to church at all Maybe you've had some church experience, but you're just not sure that you buy this whole Jesus thing. I want you to know that I'm glad you're here. Regardless of where you've been in your life and your church history and whatever's gone on, regardless of the things that you've done in your life up to this point, I'm glad you're here because I think this is the best place for you to be because you have no idea how much you matter to God. And so I think this is the best place for you to be. But most of the time, when I get up to preach and I'm writing these messages out, I'm trying to connect with everybody who comes. Like, I want the message to connect with people who have never been to church before and people who have always been to church. I want it to connect with people who don't know anything about Jesus and, and people who have been following Jesus for a long time. And sometimes that's a difficult uh, rope to walk. And I don't always get it right, but that's my goal, to always share something that, that it can be applied to your life, no matter what stage or age you're at in your life, no matter what's been going on, that you can take something out of here on Sunday morning. Today, breaking that rule and throwing it out the window, okay? So if you're here today and you're not sure about Jesus, you've never been to church um, before or whatever, I, I just want to tell you, you picked a great morning to come to church because you get to just kind of sit back and relax today because I'm not going to be talking to you this morning. Today, what we're talking about really is focused on people who are already followers of, of Jesus and what God expects of our lives. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, um, if you can go to sleep without snoring, whatever, okay? Just, just don't fall off your chair or something. That actually happened to a guy when I was in church a long time ago. Fell off right in the aisle. Embarrassing for him. Kind of funny to me, but uh, not very good for him. Um, so anyway, if that's not you, if you're not a believer in Jesus today, um, you don't have to check out, but, but just recognize that when I'm not talking directly to you, um, this morning. And, and if you happen to listen, that's cool. You can. Uh, feel free to do that. If you have questions after, I'd be happy to, to answer them. This morning, though, we're talking primarily people who've already given their lives to Jesus. Last week, we kicked off this series talking about how when we come to Jesus, when you finally kind of the switch goes on and you go, okay, I believe you've given your life, you've confessed, you believe, maybe you've been baptized. When you come to Jesus in faith, he gives you a new life. But it's up to you and I to choose whether or not we change in our life. And, and I hope that you get that. When you come to Christ, He doesn't magically just take everything away from you. Like, just take it all away, and all of a sudden, brand new, everything in your life. Now, on the inside, that's what happens. Last Sunday night, Jim and Kyle were baptized. And Paul says that when you're buried with Christ in the water, the old you dies. It's like 
being in the grave. And you could be, right? Because if I held you under long enough, that's where you'd be. And so God says that what happens in that moment is that the old you dies and it's left in the water. And when you come up out of the water, you're given a brand new life. You're reborn in that moment into a new person. The problem is that the same habits we had before we took that step, we still have. Because a habit is something that we do without thinking, right? And so those habits we have are still there. The, the life that we lived before and the consequences of the life we lived before are still there. And the way that we talked and the things that we did and the place that we worked, that's all the same. And so while God may give us a new life on the inside, He gives us the Holy Spirit and He forgives us for all of that stuff in our life, we're still stuck in the same life. We're still stuck in the same house with the same person, the same job and same habits and hang-ups. And that's where our problem lies. And that's why it's important for us to deal with stuff like this in this series every so often is so that the Holy Spirit has an opportunity to bring those things up into our lives and we can address them, we can recognize them, and then hopefully we can change them. Because it takes us being willing to change, recognizing that there's a need to change, and then being willing to go through the process of that change. So as followers of Jesus, we've got to stop, we said this last week, we've got to stop being tied to what we died to. If, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been made new, if you've been given that life, you've died to that old stuff, you've died to those addictions, those habits, those hang-ups, those hurts, you've died to that, and you're not tied to them any longer. But we've got to make the right choices so that we don't continue to live that old way. And that's what this series is all about. Taking a few weeks to examine our lives and where necessary, putting off the old behaviors and habits and start putting on new behaviors and habits so that we look more like Jesus. Today, what we're going to talk about is one of those difficult subjects if you're a preacher. Because a lot of people have a lot of different ideas about this. And, and there's um, probably... What people might say, there might be some gray area here. And, and so I want to be aware of that, but I think it's important for us to talk about it. And that difficult subject is our speech, the things that we say, what people hear from us, because we are what we speak. Now, as we get ready to, to jump into this and, and talk about the things that we say, let me just tell you that, that I've pretty, pretty much heard every excuse in the book, right? I mean, you're probably not going to come up to me after church and give me this excuse about why you say the things you say or talk the way you talk that I haven't heard before. Like, I've heard them all before. Um, I've had people come up to me and go, well, look, the Bible doesn't specifically say that these cuss words are wrong and we shouldn't say them. Like, there's no list in the Bible of avoid these words, blah, 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 blah. Um, I've heard people come up and go, well, you know, the Bible uses that one word for donkey that we're not supposed to say. And so that's probably okay. And the King James Version does use that word for donkey because that's what they were called back then. Um, and, and so there's like this thing where it's like, oh, well, the Bible doesn't say it, and so I don't have to obey it. Well, that's a good line for later. That's a whole other sermon on that. The Bible doesn't say it, so I don't have to obey it. And so we think, I'm like, hey, look, 
There's a lot of stuff that's left out of the Bible, and we still don't have to go, oh, let's see, should I um, have that affair? Well, the Bible doesn't say that, but, you know, it's just ridiculous, just ridiculous. So I've heard that before. I've had other people just come to me and go, look, this is just who I am. This is just the way I talk. It's never going to change. <laughs> I'm like, okay, try that on God. See how he likes it. I don't know. Um, most everyone, though, regardless of the excuses, almost everyone refrains from using that kind of language around the preacher. That's why I typically don't tell people I'm a preacher until after they've let their first cuss word come out. And then I'm like, oh, I'm a preacher. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, man, you should be, because that's the first time I've ever heard that word. <laughs> Not true. Uh, <laughs> but what did we say last week? Who you are is who you choose to be. Like, we think we're like solid people, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm 40, when I'm 30, I'm 20, I, who I am is just who I am. <laughs> no, we're fluid people. Our whole lives, things change, and life gets different. Who you are is who you choose to be, and, and, and whether you're the old you or the new you depends on you, right? This is not blaming anybody else, and that's true of our speech as well. So, um, just so you know, I don't swear, uh, swear words are just one of my pet peeves, actually. Uh, I just don't like them. I don't think they're necessary. When I hear them, I kind of cringe inside. You know, my stomach gets all kind of tightened up. Um, I just don't think that they have any place in the everyday language of uh, certainly the believer in Jesus. And in, in my opinion, in my opinion, they're foul and uh, wholly unnecessary. Now, if you swear in front of me, I'm not going to make you feel bad. I'm going to take out my phone and make a little mark with your name. Like, okay, they swore. Tuck that away for later on a Sunday morning. I won't make you feel bad uh, if a swear word slips out. Look, I don't like them. I don't think as believers that we need to use them. But I'm not going to feel bad if, if you do. Okay, I'm not going to make you feel bad if you do. But let me give you just a scenario as we're thinking about the language that we use, and is it okay or is it not okay, and does the Bible say it, and, and whatever. Here's, a, here's just a scenario. I know this is completely made up, but it makes me feel good. If you walked up to somebody that you'd never met before, okay, let's just say there's this hypothetical scenario where you come in contact with another individual, you don't know anything about them, they don't know anything about you, except that you're a believer of Jesus, you're a follower of Jesus, you're a Christian, whatever label you want to put on that. That's all they know about you. And a few minutes later, you're having a conversation with somebody else, or maybe you spill your drink, or you stub your toe, or whatever, and they hear a slew of foul words come out of your mouth. Does what they just heard from you affect how they feel about your Savior? Now, that's a rhetorical question, because I'm going to tell you, it does, it will, and I just don't think there's any place for it for the believer. And, and here's something that I realized. What you speak with your mouth leaks from your mind. Now, that's kind of a weird thing to say, um, but, uh, but, but, I, but just think about it. 
It is, because most of the time, again, um, if we apologize, if we're apologizing for something, it's because what we've said snuck out. It leaked out. We didn't mean for it to do that, so we got to apologize for it. But what we speak with our mouth leaks from our mind. Now, just to make you a little more uncomfortable, especially if you're married, let me um, tell you this and see if I can get you to squirm in your seat a little bit. What you speak with your mouth leaks from your mind, and if that's true, if you never thought it, you'd never say it. Now, (laughs) you can't say what you haven't thought. Think about the last argument you had with your spouse or your child or somebody else in your family. Maybe somebody at work. The car driving in front of you that cut you off. I I don't know, somebody. The last time you got angry and you said some things that maybe you shouldn't have said, maybe you thought they just slipped out or, or whatever. If you never thought it, you would have never said it. So if the last time you got in an argument and you let some words slip out and you called somebody that you're supposed to love a name... If you never thought it, you'd never said it. That makes things a little more personal, doesn't it? I mean, that makes me think about, like, oh, man. If you never thought it, it would never occur to you to say it. Kind of takes away our excuses. (laughs) Well, I was just angry. It was just the heat of the moment. The deal is our thoughts are supposed to stay in our head and not come out. But what comes out of our mind leaks uh, from, what comes out of our mouth leaks from our mind. And so we've got to be extra careful, not about the stuff we say, but about the stuff we think. And so often we spend all this time trying to be careful about what we say and it's told this lie or I said this thing. Oh, I got to watch my mouth. No! Stop watching your mouth. It's not working for you. Start watching your mind. What it is you're thinking about. The things you're thinking about that person you're supposed to love and care for and want to protect and provide for. (laughs) The key to changing the way we speak or any destructive habit of our old life is to slow down, to recognize the cues that spark that behavior, And then respond correctly in that moment. So to watch what we say, we must first consider how to change what we think so that we can change what we speak. Because our speech and our spirit should really be the same. As followers of of Jesus, the character traits we're supposed to be growing in, the character traits we're supposed to be nurturing in our lives are are things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Do those words that are coming out of your mouth line up with the character that we're as Christians supposed to be cultivating in our spirit? And unfortunately, oftentimes, the things that we say are miles away from the character that should be on display in our lives. I think it's an important question for us to ask. 
Because the words that we speak are a peek into our very soul. So let's look and see what um, God's Word has to say about our speech. We're going to be in James chapter 3 this morning, beginning in verse 2. So you got your phone, your Bible app, uh, whatever, it's going to be up on the screen, or go to my message notes, you can follow along, it's there as well. Here's what James has to say. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Right away you go, wait a minute, I thought the Bible said nobody is perfect. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yep. So um, James is trying to get our attention right off the bat. Anyone who's never fault in what, uh, never at fault in what they say is perfect. Nobody is. But if you could be, if you did watch what you said, you would be able to keep your whole body in check. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example out on the sea. Although they're so large, they're driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, he says, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest uh, is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, he says, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. He goes on to say all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who are made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear frigs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. There's a lot in there about such a little part of the body. Let me just give you a recap. If you can control your language, you can control your whole body. And I guess what he's saying is, look, the tongue is the hardest thing to control. You know, we thought maybe it was some kind of sexual desire. Nope. Passion. Nope. It's the tongue. It's the things that we say. It's our speech that is the most difficult or hardest part of our lives to get under control. But if you can control that, if it's the hardest, then everything else is downhill from there, right? Just like with horses and ships, the things we say determine the direction that we go. That kind of puts a different spin on it, doesn't it? The tongue is like a wild animal, unable to be tamed. It's restless and deadly. Um, I would say it this way. This is just my own personal translation. The tongue is bipolar. (laughs) Scroll Facebook or Twitter uh, for a while, and you'll see what I mean. One of my one of the things that just man, I just don't understand it is these Christian people will post something like super spiritual in the morning. You know, be like, oh, God is great, and he loves me, and life is great, and he's blessed me, and he's given me all this stuff. It's wonderful. And a little bit later, they get to work, and somebody says something they don't like, and pretty soon, it's 
blankety-blank that and this person and that stupid thing and I hate the whole world. Which is it? I'm confused by your postings. I don't know where you stand. I don't know what side uh, you're playing on. Um, and, and so I think that the tongue is just um, bipolar. We just can't control it. We never know which side we're going to be on. I guess because we have such a hard time with what we say that James reminds us in verse 10, he says, this should not be. We say things that we, that we don't mean. We say things that are hurtful or that tear people down. We, we, we try to bless God maybe on Sundays and we, we sing praises and we do all this stuff and we yay God and then Monday comes and it's back to work and it's uh, not yay God. It's other things that I won't say. It is not good. And, and James just reminds us, hey, there's, a, there's not this place in our life where we go, we go well, I'm a Christian, I believe, um, so I can say whatever I want to say. He go, no. No, this shouldn't be. Our speech should be consistent with the Spirit of God living within us. Our speech should be consistent with the Spirit of God living in us. You can be angry without saying hurtful and harmful things. You can correct without destroying. You can discipline without demoralizing. You can be angry about what has happened, but you should never be hurtful in the things that you say. Andrea and I have been married for um, almost 29 years. That's a lot of life. Uh, raised um, four kids, been through a lot of different stuff. 29 years, we've had a lot of arguments and disagreements and struggle and, and, and trouble. Like Just because I'm the preacher, we're not immune to that kind of stuff. Life gets difficult sometimes. And yet over 29 years... In every argument, in every disagreement, in every heated exchange, not a single time has either one of us ever called the other a name. Never used a swear word in relation to the other person. Never called the other person a name. And only one time in 29 years was a swear word even used in a argument in a discussion uh, heated conversation and I'm sad to say um, I said it and it was such a traumatic moment for both of us that I remember it it was years ago probably 10 we were driving down the road we were on our way to the in-laws house and I was mad about so I don't even know what I was mad about but you just I was mad about something and she was doing that thing that often our wives try to do, try to calm us down when we want to just be mad about something. And in that heated moment, as angry as I was, I said the most horrible thing I could possibly say. I said, damn it, Andrea, let me whatever. I don't remember what the rest of it was. I said it one time, maybe 10 years ago. And remember where we were <laughs> uh, when I said it. One time in 21, 29 years did, did any cuss word come out of my mouth. Or hers. 
Let me say this in case my mom happens to be watching this. Um, my mom has said more cuss words in her life uh, <laughs> than I have. Love you, mom. Well, as an adult, as an adult, let me, I'll say that. I'll give you that. Like, I don't tell you that story about Andrea and I to make you feel bad because you've said things to your spouse or somebody else that you shouldn't. I tell you that story to let you know that it's possible to go through the difficulties of life and to face the challenges of life and yet not say hurtful things to the other person. And that, now, l- let me tell you, we've had to apologize to each other for the things that we've said in, in anger, but never had to apologize for calling each other names or using swear words, except that one. You can do it. It is possible. And just in case you were wondering, let me tell you that I haven't been a preacher my whole life. Okay, I haven't been around church people all the time, 24-7 my entire life. I've worked out in the real world. I built houses. I worked in a machine shop. I've been in places where everybody around me was cussing all the time. I just went into those places knowing this is not what I want to do. And so I didn't. Now, if I'm real honest with you, there was a time, about six months in my high school career, I think I was a sophomore, I was angry about lots of stuff, I don't know, I was trying to be my own person, Uh, you know, dad was a preacher, I was the goody two-shoes kid who never got invited to any parties, it's probably a really good thing, but there was about six months when I was a sophomore where I cussed like a sailor, I don't remember ever uh, using the F word, because that's called the F bomb for a reason, like it used to be like nuclear, you say that and the whole world ended, you know, mom had a heart attack, uh, was just not good, just wasn't good. And, and so um, th- that was about six months and I remember the, I was like just doing that and, and I remember kids that I'd grown up with, had been to high school, elementary school with, I, I remember one kid came to me and he was like, what is going on with you? You never used to talk like this. And I was like, yeah, I didn't, what's the point? And so I quit. You can lose your temper. Just don't loose your tongue. And it's not just with your spouse or, or your family. The Apostle Paul wrote this command to the church. He said, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building others up according to their needs. Now I've heard people go, unwholesome talk, well what's that? Well, unwholesome talk can be probably defined a lot of different ways, but I'll just ask you, because I think you know what's unwholesome talk. How would you characterize that? Job's friend Eliphaz paid him this huge compliment when he said this, your words have put stumbling people on their feet. Put fresh hope in people about to collapse. I think that's the kind of speech that we should be using. The kind of language, the kind of speech that that puts stumbling people back on their feet. Because you know just as well as I do that every other place that we go to in our lives, there are people saying things that are tearing us down, destroying the thing. We're hearing things all the time that are negative, that are bad, that are unwholesome. What if we as believers just decided, I'm not going to let any unwholesome talk come out of my mouth. 
I'm not going to talk like the rest of the world. I'm going to use the things I say to put stumbling people back on their feet, to help people with fresh hope who are about to collapse. James wraps up this section of Scripture with some opposites. He says, fresh water and salt water can't come from the same spring. Grapes don't come from fig trees. Figs don't come from grapevines. A salt water spring can't produce fresh water. So I just want to ask this morning, how would you characterize your speech? Is it like salt water? And, and when the people hear it, it's like tasting it and they got to spit it out because it's not good. Or is our speech like fresh water? That, that when it's poured out, it actually brings life to other people. Now I realize that um, this is a touchy subject. The words that we use, the language that we use, because we're inundated in our lives. And in every place that we go and every place that we work, you probably hear that kind of speech all the time. It's a difficult challenge. But I think if we're going to look more like Jesus, we've got to stop being tied to what we died to, even where our language is concerned. Last week, I encouraged you to be grateful and thankful by making a list. Making a list, a very short list, if need be, of the things you're grateful for and the things you're thankful for. Today, I want to challenge you not to make a list, but simply to make a decision. This morning, right now, in the last few minutes that we're together, make a decision to change your mind about how you speak. Now, it may mean that you have to limit your exposure to swear words or unwholesome talk. It may mean that as a family, you have a conversation about the words you use in your home or about the things that you say to each other. Um, parents, let me, just, let me just say this because I think your role in this is so incredibly important. Your kids pick up what you say. And you've heard me say this. If you, if you come to, to church for very long, you've probably heard me say this before. If you don't want your children to do it, you'd better not be doing it. And so if you don't want your kids to get to school and use foul language, don't use it. If you don't want your son or your daughter calling their spouse all kind of horrible names, you better not be calling your spouse all kind of horrible names. Because kids pick up on that. Let me, we're running out of time. I'll tell you one more story. Our oldest son, Trevor, when he was very young, I, I don't remember, fourth or fifth grade or something like that. Do you remember this, Trevor? <laughs> Good. That's the, my favorite kind of stories about my kids. Uh, we, we were attending, I was preaching at a very, uh, a pretty traditional conservative church at the time, and, <laughs> and Trevor walked back into uh, his Sunday school class in fourth or fifth grade, and they were just, you know, they were talking, the teacher was trying to engage them in conversation and get them into whatever the lesson that I think he that was only five was. or six years old. Trevor said, Trevor said, what? He was five or six. Oh, he was five or yeah, six, not little. fifth grade. I don't know. Uh, any, anyway, they were having conversation the teacher was and and Trevor said um what the hell are you talking about <laughs> something like that wasn't that it? <laughs> the teacher's jaw dropped <laughs> that's a preacher's kid oh my goodness 
Anyway, so she comes to us after church. She said, I got to tell you, she was rolling. She was laughing. Uh, so I got to tell you what your son said. And uh, so she told us, and we were like mortified. Oh, my goodness. Because um, we didn't say that. Uh, and so we finally determined what had happened. He'd heard it on a television show or something and probably only heard it once or twice. Uh, and that young age picked that up. Now, when we talked to him about it, he thought he was talking about the real place. He didn't realize it was like a swear thing. He thought he was talking about the real or That was the excuse he gave us anyway. That wasn't it. I, I don't know. But anyway, parents, kids, pick up on that stuff. Be careful about the words that you use. You are what you speak. And so who are you? As a church, let me just close with this. Fresh water and salt water cannot come from the same well. And I think most people that we talk to, it doesn't take them very long to figure out which well we're drawing from. Because we are what we speak. And people will determine who you are based solely, most of the time, on the words that you say. And so let's make sure that when we're out and about, that what is leaking from our mind to our mouth is helpful and beneficial to others instead of hurtful. People are getting hurtful words from every place else in their lives. Let's make sure that what comes from us is life, just like Jesus. That may mean that you've got to change the, the way that you think. But how you think is how you'll speak. And we need to speak life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are things in our Christian life that are just difficult, hard for us. And there are even times where we, where we think, um, I can't do it, <laughs> or it's not possible, or surely you can't expect this of me. But our desire as believers is to look more like your son, Jesus. And that includes what we say. And so God, I just pray that today you would help us to change our minds, to make a choice to change the way that we think so that it changes the way that we speak. And that from now on, this week, the things that we're saying are bringing life and hope and, and, and being helpful to other people instead of our words being like what we hear from every place else instead of tearing down God would you help us build up instead of being hurtful with our speech would we be helpful with our speech and would we like like Job would we be able to to put stumbling people back on their feet simply by the words that we say. Would you challenge us and help us in this, God, this week? In Jesus' name.